Please be seated. What a remarkable thing that of all the stories of Jesus that Matthew presumably had in his memory or his community or tradition to tell, the place that Matthew chooses to begin the narrative of the adult life of the one that Matthew had come to identify as our savior is a story of such vulnerability. We tell it to ourselves every year as the season of Lent begins to remind ourselves, I suppose, that we're not alone in whatever vulnerability we may feel in our lives. To remind ourselves as we set our faces toward the season that's meant to help turn us toward our better selves, that even Jesus found that a hard thing to do a tough climb. It's always seemed important to me that when the story says that Jesus was tempted, we understand that he really was, that he seriously considered the temptation to believe that he himself was all that he needed, that he didn't need to trust God to see him through this time in the wilderness. I've always believed that Jesus really had to look hard to find a way among the inner resources of his faith and courage and integrity to get through that desert, to get himself ready to pour out his best self for the nourishment of the world over the course of his life. Lent is the name that we've given to the clearing that we've made in the forest of the year, where we can do some of the work of making a place for God at the center of our own lives. As we all talked over the last few weeks about what Lent might look like at Old South this year, we found ourselves wondering what this church might most need to hear and think about on its way to getting ourselves ready for a new chapter in ministry. What might help you, help us all, to steer through the wilderness of violence and acrimony and bigotry and temptation that sometimes seem to swirl around us like a February snow squall? What might help us to make our way toward a resurrection of wholeness and integrity and community and life abundant in such a world as this? And as we thought about the scope of that journey, the degree of difficulty, we found ourselves wanting to pull up the Psalms like a coverlet, like a mantle, a shelter, for their comfort, their nourishment, their wisdom, and especially their honesty. So today, as Lent begins, maybe you've noticed already a quilt of Psalms a shield and buckler of psalms, a companionship of psalms to hold you and for you to hold as we make our way onward following in the footsteps of Jesus and beginning of all places at his vulnerability and ours. 
Jesus' time in the wilderness began with the ancient spiritual practice of fasting. Abstaining from food voluntarily is not for everyone, but we can think of it as a metaphorical way of creating a God-shaped hole in one's regular living routines, in one's sensory life, for purposes of focusing attention on the ways in which God's love and presence fill us. So it was during this time of self-imposed hunger and spiritual focus that Jesus met, well, Jesus encountered Someone, the devil, the tempter, Satan. The Hebrew word Satan means the adversary. And that little bit of etymology might be more helpful than the mythology of a red-suited demon in helping us to think about what we're up against, what the adversary really is for us in a world full of forces that seem bent on derailing our progress toward being our best, most God-centered selves. Who or what is the adversary? That's a question for Lent, isn't it? So every year we remind ourselves that Jesus's humanity mirrors ours in grappling with adversaries, or perhaps our humanity mirrors Jesus's. Because we know a bit, don't we, about what it feels like to be tempted to put something other than God's love, something other than God's values, God's presence at the epicenter of us. In fact, the temptations to do that sometimes seem so plausible to me that it's hard to even recognize them as temptations. They look like pragmatism. They look like the way this world works. They look like us being us, surviving and coping, especially in the middle of our wildernesses, in ways that we've learned to do by living in this world. So the story that Paula read for us says that the adversary poses three different challenges, three different ways of pushing God out of the center of Jesus's heart. If you are the son of God, says the adversary, prove it first to yourself and then to history. You're hungry, okay. You, of all people, ought to be able to do something about that. So let's see how much power you have. And you know that you're going to face great personal danger in what lies ahead of you. So let's see how much trust you have. And you know that you want to make a difference in the world. So let's see how much you want that. Let's see if the God you say you represent matches our idea of what a God is supposed to be and do. When we hear these temptations, I think we have to be honest and say that they have a certain amount of plausibility. Use your own resourcefulness to feed yourself. Test God to see if God is really there for you. Be pragmatic about the power you're going to need 
in order to do what you want to do during your life? Which of us wouldn't feel the pull of some of those things? Well, Jesus' way of resisting those temptations is to figure out what the real questions are behind those assumptions and to unmask them, and then to carry those questions with him, and ultimately, I suppose, to put them before us, the work of Lent. So the adversary asks first, if you're without food, why don't you do a little divine magic, some of that son of God stuff, and feed yourself? Because, says Jesus, the real question is, what do I hunger for? And the real hunger, the deepest human hunger, is the hunger for love, isn't it? And God is not some instant gratification machine, but the one whose every word is love. Bread doesn't materialize out of nothing, but love does. God is the one whose insistent speaking of that word love over and over again will yet turn the stone of our hearts into the bread of compassion, even when we think we had nothing to give at all. All right then, says the adversary. So if you're headed in this dangerous direction, why don't you summon some angels to take care of you along the way? Because, says Jesus, the real question is, what am I afraid of? And the pinnacle of fear is the fear of being abandoned, isn't it? The fear of being alone. And God is not some good luck charm to keep in your pocket and ward off calamity, but the one whose restorative companionship is always at hand, even in the very midst of calamity. God is the one who never leaves us alone, even when we think we have nothing left to hope for. All right then, says the adversary. So if you really want to make a difference, why don't you play the power game? Trade a little here, get a little there, to get what you want. Well, because, says Jesus, the real question is, what really matters? And the thing that matters most is having something to set your heart on, something to make meaning out of. And God is not an inside track to self-satisfaction. God is the one who sets in our hearts a vision of all that the world might be, all that we might be. And then God is the one who equips us to live our way together joyfully toward that vision. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that over and over again, the adversary around us, the world that we've made, and at the same time, the world that we're kind of held captive to, that world says, let's talk about appetites. Let's talk about risks. Let's talk about power. Let's talk about how if you manage those things well, you'll have everything you need 
in yourself. But Lent is a time to remember that we need more than ourselves. We need God in that space, and we need each other around it. So when the world seems to say, let's talk about appetites, we might remember Jesus in the wilderness, and we might ask ourselves, what am I hungry for, really? What is the true nature of the empty place in me? And what will satisfy it in a way that's good for me, good for you, good for the world? And we might ask each other, as Lent lands within us here, what are the longings that have us leaning forward into our ministry together now? What are the things that will truly satisfy our desire to be the faithful, creative, visionary community that we always say we aspire to be? And when the world seems to say, let's talk about risks, risk management, well, we might remember Jesus in the wilderness, and we might ask ourselves, what am I afraid of, really? What is the true nature of my apprehension, anyway? My uncertainty, my worry? And what will restore the confidence that I want to have that there is something stronger, something truer, something more good and more enduring than the forces that want to intimidate me and try so hard to do that every day. And we might ask each other, as Lent deepens among us, what are the hesitations and the reluctances that hold us back from wielding the grace that we know, the love that we trust with abandon and joy? What courage do we need to pray for together as we lean into the clearing we're opening for God to call us forward? What are we afraid of? And when the world seems to say with the tempter, let's talk about power, let's negotiate a little bit, we might remember Jesus in the wilderness, and we might ask ourselves, what matters most, really? What is the true nature of my ambition, my desire to change things? And what cause is worthy of my highest and truest and best allegiance, my service, my loyalty? And we might ask each other, as Lent blooms around us, what are we holding on to? that sustains us even through the changes that come. What matters most, really, to us? Lent starts in the wilderness because Jesus started there. Maybe it starts as we wonder about the adversary, that Lenten question, who or what is it that pushes back our confidence, that undermines our sense of call, that sows hunger for things that don't satisfy, and sows doubt about the sufficiency of the gifts that God has given us to do what needs to be done. And then, like Moses, with his bush aflame 
in his wilderness, we may start to find our way through ours by the light of burning questions. What do I hunger for? What am I afraid of? What matters most? Questions by whose light we may see all the way from loneliness to companionship, from timidness to courage, from arrogance to service, from wilderness to resurrection. Godspeed. <laughs>